0: chapter 33 of the Mesmerous victim by alexander dumas translated by henry l williams this librivox recording is in the public domain the fainting fits andrea was in her room giving a final touch to her rebellious curls when she heard the step of her father who appeared as she crossed the sill of the antechamber with a book under her arm good morning andrea said the baron going out i see i am going to the dauphiness who expects me alone since nicole ran away i have no attendant but you cannot dress yourself alone no lady ever does it i advised you quite another course excuse me but the dauphiness awaits my child You will get yourself ridiculed if you go on like this, and ridicule is fatal at court. I will attend to it, father, but at present the dauphiness will overlook the want of an elaborate attire, for the haste I show to join her. Be back soon, for I have something serious to say, but you are never going out without a touch of red on the cheeks. They look quite hollow, and your eyes are circled with large rings, You will frighten people thus. I have no time to do anything more, father. This is odious. Upon my word, said Tavernet, shrugging his shoulders, there is only one woman in the world who does not think anything of herself, and I am cursed with her for my daughter. What atrocious bad luck! Andrea! But she was already at the foot of the stairs. She turned. At least say you are not well, he suggested. That will make you interesting at all events. There will be no telling lies, father, for I feel really very ill at present. — That is the last straw, grumbled the baron. — A sick girl on my hands, with the favour of the king lost and Richelieu cutting me dead. — Plague take the nun! — he mumbled he entered his daughter's room to ferret about for some confirmation of his suspicions during this time andrea had been fighting with an unknown indisposition as she made her way through the shrubbery to the little trianon, standing on the threshold lady Noailles made her understand that she was late and that she was looking out for her the titular reader for the dauphiness an abbe, was reciting the news above all deconating on the rumour that a riot had been caused by the scarcity of corn and that five of the ringleaders had been arrested and sent to jail. Andrea entered. The dauphiness was in one of her wayward periods, and this time preferred the gossip to the book. She regarded Andrea as a spoilsport, so she remarked that she ought not to have missed her time, and that things good in themselves were not always good out of season. Abashed by the reproach, and particularly its injustice, the vice-reader replied nothing— though she might have said her father detained her and that her not feeling well had retarded her walk. Oppressed and dazed, she hung her head and closing her eyes as if about to die. She would have fallen, only for the Duchess of Noaia catching her. "'Oh, dear, she is white as her handkerchief,' said the Archduchess. "'It is my fault for scolding her. Poor girl, take a seat. Do you think you could go on with your reading?' "'Certainly,' I hope so, at least. But hardly had she cast her eyes on the page before black specks began to swarm and float before her sight, and they made the print indecipherable. She turned pale anew, cold perspiration beaded her brow, and the dark ring round her eyes with which Tavernay had blamed his daughter enlarged so that the princesses exclaimed, as Andrea's faltering made her raise her head. Again! Look, Duchess, the poor child must be ill, for she is losing her senses." "The young lady must get home as soon as possible," said the mistress of the household dryly, "thus commences the smallpox." The priest rose and stole away on tiptoe, not wanting to risk his beauty. "Yes," said the Dauphiness, in whose arms the girl came to, "you had better retire, but do not go indoors at once a stroll in the garden may do you good oh send me back my abbe who is yonder among the tulips andrea was glad to be outdoors but she felt a little improved to reach the priest she had to make a circuit she walked with lowered head heavy with the weight of the strange dullness with which she had suffered since rising she paid no attention to the birds hunting each other among the blooming hedges or to the bees humming amid the thyme and lilacs She did not remark, only a few paces off, Dr. Jussieu giving a lesson in gardening to Gilbert. Since the pupil perceived the promenader, he made but a poor auditor. "'Oh, heavens!' interrupted he, suddenly extending his arms. "'What is the matter?' asked the lecturer. "'She has fainted.' "'Who? Are you mad?' "'A lady,' answered Gilbert quickly. His pallor and his alarm would have betrayed him as badly as his cry of she, but Gesù had looked off in the other direction. He saw Andrea fallen on a garden seat, ready to give up the last sensible breath. It was the time when the king had the habit of paying the Dauphine a visit, and came through this way. He suddenly appeared holding a hothouse peach, with a true selfish king's wonder, thinking whether it would not be better for the welfare of France that he should enjoy it rather than the princess what is the matter he cried as he saw the two men racing toward the swooning girl whom he vaguely distinguished but did not recognize thanks to his weak sight the king exclaimed Jussieu, holding andrea in his arms the king murmured she swooning away in earnest this time approaching the king knew her at last and exclaimed with a shudder again this is an unheard-of thing when people have such maladies, they ought to shut themselves up. It is not proper to go on dying all over the house and grounds at all hours of the day and night. And on he went, grumbling all sorts of disagreeable things against poor Andrea. Jussieu did not understand the illusion, but seeing Gilbert in fear and anxiety, he said, Come along, Gilbert, you are stronger. Carry Mademoiselle de Tavernay to her lodgings. I? protested Gilbert, quivering. "'She would never forgive me for touching her. No, never!' And off he ran, calling for help. When the gardeners and some servants came up, they transported the girl to her rooms, where they left her in the hands of her father. But from another point arrived the Dauphiness, who had heard of the disaster from the king, and who not only came, but brought her physician. Dr. Louis was a young man, but he was intelligent. "'Your Highness,' he reported to his patroness the young lady's malady is quite natural and not usually dangerous and do you not prescribe anything there is absolutely nothing to be done very well she is luckier than i for i shall die unless you send me the sleeping pills you promised i will prepare them myself when i get home when he was gone the princess remained by her reader cheer up my dear andrea she said with a kindly smile there is nothing serious in your case for the doctor will not prescribe anything whatever i am glad to hear it but he is a little wrong for i do not feel at all well i declare to you still the ale cannot be severe at which a doctor laughs have a good sleep my child I will send somebody to attend you, for I notice that you are quite alone. Will you accompany me, my lord of Tavernay? End of Chapter Thirty-Three. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.